because you are made in the image and likeness of God, it is actually who God is and then how God sees himself that defines who you are. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 135. Today we're going to be talking about the fact that your past does not define you. You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm so grateful that you tuned in to listen today. This week we're talking about the fact that Your past does not define who you are. Have you ever known someone who defines themselves by what has happened to them in the past? I have a friend who, even though he is now retired, he still looks back on his childhood and the way his father abused him emotionally as one of the major factors in who he is today. He didn't receive the love he needed from his father, and it has affected his whole life ever since. He sees himself as a victim of his father's behavior. My friend is a very faithful Christian. He studies the Bible and prays every day, and he's found a large measure of freedom from his past, but in his mind, it still defines who he is, how he acts, and how he sees himself. I also have friends who define themselves by all the good that has happened to them in the past. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And my friend, whom I just mentioned, would be the first to admit that his mother had an amazing and very positive influence on who he is because of all the love she expressed over many, many years. Most of us have probably a mix of positive as well as negative influences in our lives. And it would be totally naive for me to suggest that these experiences don't have any effect in how we develop and who we become as a person. But our past, good or bad, does not actually define who we are. Only God does that. Only God defines who we are. Unfortunately, too many healthcare and well-being professionals today do not see the role that God plays in defining who we are. They insist we're a combination of so many things, our past, good and bad, our DNA, our choices, our attitudes, our social and economic cultures. The list goes on and on. In effect, all these human theories define us as a giant conglomeration of so many internal and external influences. One of the things many of these approaches have in common is that you have to accept who you are as this bundle 
of past influences. There's nothing you can do to change who you are. You can only learn to live with the results and mitigate them to the best of your ability, but you will never be completely healed or free from the influences of your past. And recently, I've heard several so-called experts in completely different fields say that our basic character and identity are firmly established by the time we're five years old or thereabouts. That doesn't offer a lot of hope for someone like my friend I just mentioned. This approach to life basically traps someone in their past. But you are so much more than your past. In fact, from a spiritual perspective, your past does not define who you are at all. It may influence how you think and act, but it does not define you. In light of all this, I got to thinking about what the Bible says about who we are, who we really are. And as I said earlier, only God can truly define who and what we are. So the question is, how does God define us? In the very first chapter in the Bible, God declares for all time our true identity, that we are made in His image and likeness, reflecting both the masculine and feminine aspects of God's nature. That's in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. This is who we are. This is who we have always been, the image and likeness of the divine. So how you define yourself depends largely on how you define God. If you think of God as the giant man in the sky throwing thunderbolts at you every time you do something wrong, that will affect the way you define yourself. And you may laugh about that definition of God, but That's essentially how some people see God. If you see God as divine love itself, as John does, this too will influence how you see yourself. And the further you go in this process, the more you realize it's not really about how you see or define God. That's a bit presumptuous of us, isn't it, to think that we can define who God is? It's really about how God defines himself. Now, I covered this specific idea all the way back in episode 51 of the Bible Speaks to You podcast, and I'll have that link in the show notes if you'd like to listen to it. It's called, How Does God See Himself? Because we are made in the image and likeness of God, it is actually who God is and then how God sees himself that defines who you are. Let me repeat that. How God sees himself defines who you are. Let that sink in for a minute. You are not defined by your past, good or bad, by heredity, the environment, society, culture, economics, or any other human circumstances or conditions. These things may influence you, but they do not define you. God's conscious awareness of who He is declares who you are. Let's look in the Bible at some classic examples of how people are not defined by their past. The first person that I think of is Joseph in the Old Testament. He had quite a history and a very circuitous path getting to his final position as governor of Egypt or second-in-command to Pharaoh. 
First, he was the favored son of his father Jacob and became the despised younger brother by his older siblings. And how did he see or define himself at the time? Did he ever have a sense of entitlement, knowing how his father felt? That's just speculation on my part, of course. But none of these opinions of him defined who he really was. His jealous brothers sold him, and Joseph became a slave in Egypt. Then he was falsely accused of adultery by his owner's wife and put in prison. He interpreted a couple of dreams for his fellow prisoners, which came to pass just as he had foretold. Eventually, he got called out of prison to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which he did, and then he was made governor of all Egypt. Then he proceeded to direct an amazing seven-year plan to thwart the effects of a coming seven-year famine, and during the famine he reconciles with his brothers. That is a very short version of the story. You'll find the whole thing in Genesis chapters 37, 39 through 45. The point I want to make is that Joseph had quite a past, but he never let it define who he was. The Bible narrative says repeatedly, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph always turned to God for help and was obedient to God. What if Joseph had ruminated endlessly about how his brothers had treated him and he identified himself as a victim of their jealousy and cruelty? Well, maybe he felt that way for a little while, but he did not hold on to those feelings. Joseph took all these experiences to cultivate his relationship and trust in God. Maybe a better way to say that is because of circumstances, he was forced to cultivate his relationship and trust in God. Who else could he turn to? Because the Lord was with him, Joseph must have felt God's presence and comfort. That must have been pretty reassuring. Time after time, Joseph saw God redeem a miserable situation. If you ever find yourself in a situation where others have treated you with anger, jealousy, hatred, or maybe something worse, and you've suffered for it, you've got an important choice to make. And it's not necessarily a quick and easy decision. Will you take the victim mindset and let these thoughts and events define you? Or will you be like Joseph forgiving those who've wronged you and take it as an opportunity to keep close to and get to know God better. I know it's not always easy to forgive and take a more spiritual approach when you've been mistreated or maligned. There have been times when it has taken me many cycles of prayer, sometimes years, to forgive someone or to decide that I was not going to let my past or someone's view of me in the past define me. But if Joseph could do this, then you and I can do it too. Let's come back to this idea of how God defines you. I love this verse in Isaiah 43, 6. God says, Bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, God says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God is defining us as his sons and daughters. Isn't that beautiful? 
This is really just another way of saying we are made in God's image and likeness. So, once more, it comes back to who and what God is. If God is a wrathful, angry deity, then we are the offspring of that. If God is love, then we are the children of love. Who God is defines who we are. Let's look at a couple of examples in the New Testament of how people define themselves or others based on their past. And that could be taken in two different ways. Someone can judge you based on your past, but they can also judge you based on their past. Neither of these is valid in the eyes of God. First, let's look at the man born blind whom Jesus healed. You can find this story in John chapter 9. How did society define this man? This must have been how he defined himself as well. Even Jesus' disciples define him as a man who was born blind. Everyone saw him this way. Everyone except Jesus. Jesus defined this man and his situation as an opportunity to glorify God, that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's John 9, verse 3. In John 12, 49 and 50, Jesus reminded his disciples and anyone who would listen to him, The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it, and I know his commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. And in John 5:19, he expands on that thought, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. What this means to me is that here's this man that the world defines as being born blind, but Jesus saw this man the way God defined him as a son of God, as the image and likeness of God. God did not define this man as blind. If he had, Jesus wouldn't have been able to heal him. God defined this man only as his very own image and likeness. There's no blindness in God, so God could not impart blindness to a child of his. The blindness was not part of who this man really was. It was certainly something he had experienced since birth, and he, along with society, defined himself this way. But for Jesus, this experience did not define the man. And so Jesus healed him. He showed everyone a much clearer definition of who this man really was. Let's look at another example, also from the book of John. Remember when the Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery? This is in John chapter 8. The Pharisees were defining this woman in connection with her past, in this case the very immediate past of perhaps just a few minutes before their conversation with Jesus. But just as in the case with the blind man, Jesus saw way beyond the past events of this woman, whether they were in the distant past or just moments ago. He saw her as God defined her, her original identity or definition, as a child of God, made in God's image and likeness. His definition of her as a child of God 
brought forgiveness and healing to the situation. It even brought a much-needed self-awareness to the Pharisees, which was not always easy to do. That doesn't mean that he ignored what she had done. Jesus was not pretending this woman hadn't broken one of the Ten Commandments, but he didn't define her by her sin. How does this apply to you and me? Well, you and I often make mistakes. We may sin. People may take advantage of us. People may abuse you and tell lies about you. But these things, as hurtful and damaging as they may be, do not define you. God has already defined you, and His definition of you always wins out over anything's or anyone else's definition of you. Your past, whether it's something that happened 75 years ago or 75 seconds ago, does not define you. God alone does. We have to face the mistakes we've made and deal with people and situations, especially our own feelings and the way we have defined ourselves. But the clearer you are on how God defines you, the more peace of mind and freedom you'll experience and the closer to God you'll feel. A lot of people love to quote this verse from the King James Version of the Bible in Ecclesiastes 3.15. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. For some, this verse says that God will take away whatever has happened in the past. This particular verse has been translated in a wide range of possible meanings. This one from the Christian Standard Bible, I think, is very close to the translation in the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. Whatever is, has already been, and whatever will be, already is. However, God seeks justice for the persecuted. The original Hebrew literally says God seeks what has been pursued. If you feel pursued or persecuted by your past, God seeks and delivers justice for you. And just as your past doesn't define you, the future cannot limit or prolong God's justice. But it's amazing how many people don't really believe this. They think God's justice is way off in the future. Just like they think of the kingdom of heaven, they think it's way off somewhere and sometime after they die. And from our limited human perspective here on earth, it does seem way off in the future sometimes. Once again, though, and as always, Jesus comes to the rescue with his clear vision of what he saw and heard from God. I make this point many times on the Bible Speaks to You podcast, and I will continue to do so. Jesus declared that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew 3, 2. He declared that the kingdom of God is within us. That's in Luke 17, 21. Jesus focused on what was true in the kingdom of heaven. His vision was so clear, he could see past society's definition of who people were based on their past, he saw how people were defined in heaven, sinless, whole, unfallen from grace, and free. Is it possible for you and me 
to see ourselves in this light as well? Yes, of course it is. But it requires daily discipline of our thinking and actions to be more Christ-like. You cannot bring into the kingdom of heaven any definition of yourself which is not in agreement with God's original definition of you, in other words, the image and likeness of God. Does that mean we just pretend something bad didn't happen or that we never made a bad choice? No, of course not. But as long as you focus on your current definition of yourself or how the world defines you, good or bad, your view will be limited and inaccurate. The more we can acknowledge and accept God's definition of us as his image and likeness, as his sons and daughters, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that's Romans 8.17, the more we will begin to define ourselves that way and let nothing less than God define who we are. We are in week 19 of our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. This week, the aspect of Jesus' mindset we're going to think and pray about is the fact that Jesus saw the inherent goodness in people, especially little children. In Matthew 5, 13 and 14, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This was not to a crowd of especially holy people. It was a multitude of all sorts of people. But he said they were all the salt and light. He saw their innate goodness. In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Jesus didn't see those children as depraved little sinners. He didn't constantly tell people they were a bunch of miserable sinners. He saw the children's purity and innocence. He saw the inherent goodness in the people that he preached to. How do you see the people you meet? Are you frustrated? or moved with compassion when you see people who don't seem to know their right hand from their left? When you're with a bunch of noisy little kids, are you annoyed, or do you see them the way Jesus did? This week, as you pray to embrace the mindset of Jesus, look at people the way Jesus did. Look through his eyes instead of your own, and see what God reveals to you. If you'd like a copy of the entire prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. I'll have a link in the show notes for this episode. Just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, either on the website, I'll share a link for that in just a moment, or the description on your podcast app. I want to thank you so much for listening today. I'm so grateful you tuned in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. There might be someone that would really appreciate hearing today's message. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, and a special warm welcome to you, and I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form, and you're all set. And if you have any questions or comments about today's episode or anything in the Bible, I would love to hear from you. Again, go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab in the menu bar. As always, the Bible references in today's episode will be in the show notes page on the website. 
You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 135. This is episode 135. And you'll find that link also in the description on your podcast app. I am so grateful for all the many ways that you have been supportive. As of this week, I have had listeners in 138 countries. That's two more since last week. I couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. Again, thanks so much for being here and listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care and we'll see you next time. God bless.